0: Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season five, episode four, titled Namaste with a three. They, they really missed an opportunity to put a three in a title.
1: It's weird that they didn't. It's an yeah. interesting choice.
0: Uh, what did you think of this episode, Alexis?
1: That is me. I am Alexis. Agreed. Uh, they gave us a lot more of that good, good, Jimmy slash Saul and Kim tension. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job, kind of moving forward to characters who didn't really get to do a lot in the last episode, other than break a guy's arm and be upset in a electrical place.
0: Yeah, they really moved Mike along. Uh, mm-hmm. They moved Mike along in, <laughs> yeah, in physical is, and emotional space, but
1: as far as they could, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. We'll we'll talk about that at the end when we get there. But what? Who was the other person that they moved along? Gus. Gus, okay.
1: Yeah, we got to see, I feel like, a little bit more character development of him. Mm. I don't know. I think maybe we could have guessed that he has a little bit of OCD.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, come on. He
1: might be a bit of a perfectionist. Nah. (laughs) But we definitely got to see that here, Here and also him being kind of a a little bit of a messy bitch.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going way over the top. Yeah. This is, there's nothing wrong with that fryer. There's nothing. I looked at it. I I freeze-framed it. Your standards are
1: very high. Not a drop of
0: grease. Yeah, nothing caked on. Poor Lyle.
1: When you scrub something with fucking steel wool for at least 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. there can't be anything left behind.
0: (laughs) Definitely not. Uh, Yeah, okay. So overall, you enjoy the episode?
1: Yeah, of course. I always do.
0: All right. (laughs) Yeah, so did I. I I thought this was an excellent one. Um, I continue to be both amazed and perplexed at the depths that Saul is willing to sink to, and here... I basically called everything that was going to happen in this episode last week.
2: (laughs) You did, yeah. Uh,
0: But I couldn't have seen it going as poorly for everyone either. Like, Jimmy... uh, We'll talk about when we get to that scene, but he's just the most stubborn person in the world. He is. I can't imagine ever meeting someone as stubborn as this in real life, (laughs) though I know they exist. And there's a perfect pairing here, because Mr. Acker is... Maybe the most stubborn person in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy is a very close second, if not taking the prize for that one.
1: Absolutely. But yeah.
0: Well, we'll talk about that. I, I really loved it. I thought it was great. It didn't have any of those sort of, you know, weird scenes like the ant scene uh, from last episode, right? It didn't. It didn't have any of those moments where you're like. They're doing something here, thematic, but I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure what it is, and we'll see by the end of the episode. But they did do what Breaking Bad typically does, the Breaking Bad universe, which is give us an upfront view of something that we totally can't understand. It's out of context. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's bizarre. It's (laughs) not a way a human should behave. And then by the end of the episode, we get to that point, and we totally understand how that character got there. Like, it reminds me of um, It's Crazy Handful of nothing. In Breaking Bad, in season one, Mm -hmm. I think it's episode six, where at the very beginning of that episode, you see Walt, who previously was a high school math or chemistry teacher, with a shaved head, a bag full of money, walking away from an exploding building like he just set the place on fire. Basically,
1: looking like the biggest bag badass in the universe, right? Yeah,
0: and then you smash cut back to the current timeline, which is nerdy ass Walt (laughs) with his stupid hair and his bad clothes and his dumb car
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: you're like how did we get there
1: in one episode in a single episode and
0: by the end you totally understand it Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: this is a maybe slightly less extreme version of (laughs) just a little bit less flames I will say I'll give you that just as much broken glass perhaps but Uh fewer flames
0: for sure Uh, so yeah let's get talking about the episode we start off at Bethlehem trading post where Saul looks around the store, trying to find something he can throw.
1: He, he I mean, tests the heft of many things.
0: Yeah. Um, and at this point, you're you're thinking, what the fuck when he buys three bowling balls? For a, a
1: ridiculous price.
0: Yeah, $75 for... Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're really nice bowling balls. Because I know nice bowling balls could be a couple hundred, a few hundred bucks. Yeah. Bowling balls are pretty expensive.
1: It's true, but also this is a rinky-dink Sort of antique store, if you want to give it that that mm-hmm. layer of, uh, like a, prestige,
0: an antique slash thrift shop. I don't know what to call these. These places it's exist all over the country. It's like a peddler's mart,
1: almost. It's like a baby yeah. peddler's mart.
0: Yep. Uh, but you can't throw a bowling ball very far. So I'm thinking, what, where's he going with this?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, so the one of the first things I noticed in this scene is when he walks in the door. There, uh, there's a close up of three bells up at the top. Uh, of the door Mm -hmm. to alert the the clerk that someone's come in any significance to that with Tuco's bell like I I saw people trying to connect dots there but nothing was really super convincing to me
1: I didn't even catch that you may have to you may have to talk to reddit I tried (laughs) reddit knew nothing
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, okay then let's move on to Jimmy and Kim waking up after a long night of I'll call it partying drinking Mm -hmm. banging whatever they were doing
1: all of the above, I think, probably.
0: Why is, why is Bob Odenkirk nudity shocking to me? The- I, I felt something <laughs> in that scene. It wasn't arousal, I don't think. But it was certainly something. Sure?
1: <laughs> and I don't... Look deep within yourself.
0: It's something I didn't feel watching Westworld, for instance, where yeah. there's far more nudity, far mm-hmm. more blatant. Uh, I don't know. I
1: something... think it's because they don't do nudity in this show. And yeah. then all of a sudden, bam nudity of the title it was
0: certainly surprising I did not think (laughs) 10 years ago watching Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman (laughs) that I would see him nude Uh, but here we are so they head off for their respective days where Jimmy's going to court and lunch with Howard and Kim's going to fix previous day's mistakes and she starts by sweeping up the broken beer bottles in the parking lot
1: of course she did
0: yeah this is 100% Kim
1: and that was 100% Jimmy to just mm-hmm. blow it off and say, oh, the, that's what you pay rent for. They'll yeah. sweep it up.
0: I mean, Jimmy leaves messes for others to clean up, mm-hmm. and Kim goes in and cleans up her own messes. She does. It's just true. what they do.
1: I like that they actually talked a little bit to each other. That was mm-hmm. nice. That was a pleasant change. <laughs> yeah. How's your day going to be? It's not something that we've been seeing them do a lot lately. It's true, especially in the last episode.
0: The other thing I couldn't help but notice about this scene is just how unglamorous it is. Mm-hmm. Like is. We've seen them you know, brushing their teeth and getting dressed and doing all those things before, but this particular one just felt wrong. It felt bad.
1: It was shot from a different angle, I think, for one thing, and uh-huh. also they're both quite hungover, <laughs> right. if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of the the split-screen one where they're mm-hmm. sort of growing apart, and you can see each of them doing their respective morning routines separately.
1: I don't think you see And it's kind of the, bright
0: and like shiny yeah, compared to this. That's true. This thing is just, ugh.
1: You see the spit too, which is not great.
0: Yeah. What are you doing?
1: Oh, the spit. Now she's just brushing her teeth and spitting, <laughs> but boy, did we get to see all the bubbles. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> all right, then Saul meets with the tweakers who went on a rampage a few days ago. And Saul says they're going to be incarcerated for a minimum of a, minimum of a year And they're okay with that. Uh, He says they owe him $4,000 for his services and they think they can get by with a public defender, (laughs) but Jimmy Hard sells them on his services. Uh, The thing that stuck out to me here is when he mentions rehab, they're very, very much against that. And then he's like, oh, you're going to prison for a year. And they're like, okay, we could do that. No problem. Really? You're that opposed to rehab? I guess they just, maybe they can get drugs on the inside.
1: Yeah. And maybe rehab. Just the process of it makes you look inward a little Mm bit. Yeah. I suspect people who are willing to do things like this probably don't like to do that. Probably. Don't like to see what they would see if they did that.
0: Yeah. The consequences of their own actions on their own lives. Mm hmm. It's not not great.
1: And also just the fact that their lives aren't super normal. Uh, If you. Here's an insight that I had about this scene. It's very important. So. Oh, boy. Make sure you're listening I'm closely. Ready. If you squish both of these guys together, uh-huh. like their their faces and their whole stees, you would equal exactly one James Franco. Okay. Tell me I'm wrong. You can't.
0: Uh, you're not wrong. As a matter of fact, somebody brought that up somewhere. I can't remember if it was a listener of ours or if it was uh, on Reddit.
1: You bastards. There are no original yeah. thoughts. Damn it. There are not. Sorry to tell you. Ugh. And I felt I felt so good about that.
2: You don't understand how good
1: (laughs) I felt about that.
0: (laughs) Destroyed your illusions.
1: Oh, that was the most insightful thing I had to say about anything in this episode. We're in trouble, then. Boy. Shut it down.
0: How's this for insight? Something I didn't realize is, oh, of course, Jimmy or Saul Goodman would be competing with public defenders when it comes to this class of clientele.
1: Oh, he's so shitty about public defenders, too. Calls them public pretenders, which I know from a feedback email that we got that you guys hate that sucks
0: yeah and he used to be one which is extra kind of fucked up
1: and his girlfriend is sort of half a public defender right now or at least she's acting like yeah. one mm-hmm. shitty
0: no it is um, the other thing that I saw as a real stark change from where Jimmy was a season or two ago to where he is now um, is when he's telling these kids to Essentially, go scam the granny out of money. Yeah. Which, if you look back at all of the relationships he's had with the Sandpiper mm-hmm. people, right, all of those elder, elderly people, it's just a shame. Like, what did he learn from his time scamming poor old what's-her-name, I, I don't remember, uh, trying to get his $1.2 million. Nothing, apparently.
1: He seems to be really stuck in this idea that everybody is terrible. And everybody is out just to get theirs. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think he's just lost faith in people in general. And we'll we'll see more of that (laughs) later on. Ooh, boy.
0: (laughs) Sure will. All right. Then Jimmy meets Howard for lunch. And Howard puts the question to Jimmy, who is Saul Goodman? Jimmy says, essentially, he's a beacon of hope for the downtrodden.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Which,
0: On one hand is laughable. On the other hand, He's not entirely wrong.
1: He's not entirely wrong, but boy, he's not right either.
0: No. (laughs) No, he's not. Uh, And then Howard says he really changed his name because HHM fucked him and his name is ruined. And they should have hired him instead. So he offers him a job at HHM. And he tells him, don't answer right now. Just think about it. And after lunch, Jimmy, they they go out to the, the parking lot and Jimmy notices his new license plate that says Namaste. Uh, Howard's getting healthy.
1: Yeah. Getting healthy. Almost like it's his, it's his new thing. His new. new, Yeah. It's the new, a new piece that he has added to his veneer of perfection a little bit.
0: Interesting. I didn't see it that way.
1: I think that I don't think maybe that Jimmy was seeing it that way until he Mm -hmm. saw that license plate and he's like, Oh, fuck you. This is just (laughs) another of your things. This is just, Uh was it, Ham, ham, him indigo, ham. Oh,
0: ham, indigo, yeah. Ham,
1: indigo, thank ham-lindigo
0: you. Ham, blue.
1: Yep, it's your new ham, indigo, you, shyster.
0: <laughs> really? Huh. I, so I thought a lot about this scene. I, yeah. I sat down and i I looked at it from all the angles. And the way I came away from this scene is just thinking Jimmy is incredibly stubborn. Jimmy mm-hmm. is, like I said earlier, the most stubborn person I've ever seen because the way I see this, Howard has been part of the, I guess, conspiracy, two-man conspiracy to keep Jimmy from working at HHM, right? Mm-hmm. But he was not the one who really kept him from it. As a matter of fact, he would have hired Jimmy uh, way back in the day after he got his law degree, right?
1: Right. But,
0: but not for Chuck, who says, uh, no, that's my brother and I hate him, apparently.
1: in mm-hmm. uh, so many words, yeah. yeah.
0: He's a champ with a machine gun, he can't be a, a lawyer. <laughs> at HHM uh, and so this is Howard coming back to do the right thing I think genuinely do the right thing make up for a past transgression that he you know that he feels he, he did wrong by Jimmy on mm-hmm. and Jimmy looks at this having having just last season told Christy Esposito and I'm so glad they bring up Christy Esposito in this moment yeah. because this is what tipped me off Right, Christy Esposito if you don't remember is the girl who was up for The scholarship that Chuck left um, after his death Mm -hmm. and the the whole board of HHM or whatever got together, including Jimmy, and were deciding on who the candidate would be to get the scholarship. And Crispy Esposito is the one that Jimmy picked because, you know, she was kind of less fortunate than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And she had a passion. She wanted to do it. And they they turned her down. And so Jimmy goes out to the parking lot afterward and he says, these people are never going to give you a second chance. Yeah because they didn't want to give you a first chance like they, they are trying to hold you down and you need to be better than them and crush them like mm-hmm. you need to destroy these people and so when howard comes in and offers jimmy that second chance that he just told this girl they would never give him yeah it's totally just cutting off his nose despite his own face but like he cannot allow himself to let Howard be a good guy here. He's yeah. he's got Howard and Chuck so tied up together, exactly uh, in his mind that he's unable to to even consider the possibility that he should take this job. And to me, that's just completely stubborn. Like he does not want to be wrong here.
1: He doesn't want to be wrong here. And just the fact that someone is offering him help, mm-hmm. I think that alone, even not considering the broader implications. Although I, I very much enjoy that angle of it, even not considering that he hates accepting help, oh, yeah. especially from people who are in a position to give it to him.
0: Right, people who yeah. he thinks think are if, who he thinks they think are better than him. Yes, if I'm expressing that correctly. <laughs> and and Howard is the most. Uh, the most of that, right? He's like Like, the
1: pinnacle of it, absolutely. And he's that to everyone. Mm -hmm.
0: Like he has such a polished veneer, like you said, that he comes off that way to everyone he meets, I think.
1: I think you are right. I think that he has had, he's gone to therapy, he's done the work
0: that,
1: boy, a lot of the other people in this fucking episode probably need to do. Mike should probably
0: be doing like (laughs) Howard's, maybe talk with Howard, ring him up.
1: Maybe Jimmy should have gotten therapy last (laughs) season when Kim was like, hey, maybe you should get therapy. Uh-huh. Maybe you should you should talk about these things that you are clearly not talking about, but but Howard has done the work, mm-hmm. and it does seem like this is coming from a sincere place. yeah, but, like you said, you can't help but be a little bit of a Howard about it. and that's yeah. what, think, what do you mean when you
0: say a little bit of a Howard?
1: I don't think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. I think it's just his whole steeze is that he's demeanor, his yeah. he says things in a very crisp way
0: <laughs> he does
1: it's very specific in the way he does it, and I think that adds a little bit of insincerity. Ironically, it adds insincerity to everything he says, yeah. because it feels planned and practiced and not from the heart.
0: Yeah, it's almost an, it an unfortunate side effect of his whole affect, right? Like yeah. he... he Just the way he presents to people is is fake, mm-hmm. even if it's not. Yeah. And it's hard to get past that. I, exactly. I agree with that.
1: It's like people who... Who their voices that just make them sound sarcastic all the time? Like, yeah. um, oh, Pikachu! Which is, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> okay, <Pikachu>. yeah. <laughs> right,
0: I'm never going to actually believe that Ryan Reynolds is giving me a compliment, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Oh, great job, buddy! Oh, you did it, great! Uh-huh. Is that Ryan? Hey, come on, hey, level up you, man! Yeah.
1: <laughs> Eat a tick.
0: <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 usually ironic. It's ridiculously stubborn. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, man, Jimmy, come on, man.
1: I think this is not a great thing for Howard to be doing anyway. He's really putting Jimmy on a little bit of a pedestal here. Because if he knew half of the shit that he gets up to, he would never, he would oh, never want sure. him to be associated.
0: Yeah, he still thinks of him as Charlie Hustle. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's unfair. He is still Charlie Hustle. He He's still just Charlie
1: Hustle. He's just hustling
0: on the margins.
1: Going to the dark side. Ever, ever more.
0: Uh, I do also like that Howard can't actually, I assume he tried, but he can't actually get the namaste with an E plate. He's <laughs> got to get the three, implying someone else has that plate.
1: Exactly. I wonder if this is also the inspiration for Lawyer Up. If that's kind oh, of a fuck yeah. you. Yeah. I bet it is. to be, right?
0: <laughs> you think it's, you? hmm. <laughs> that's interesting because one of the other things I noticed is the stark contrast between the two cars when they mm. pull them up yeah you got howard with his fancy lexus and then you got uh jimmy with his shitty esteem
1: i don't think he's putting lawyer up on that shitty esteem though i think he's putting it on the caddy yeah the caddy yeah
0: yep uh so then kim meets with mesa verde and she proposes moving the call center to another lot so that the old man doesn't have to move his house or leave his home rather Mm -hmm. and then kevin turns down this proposal which bugs kim I see why they would turn the proposal down. It would cost them money. Exactly. They're a business. They're it, about making money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's wrong. Um, I don't think businesses should be about making money above all, but that is certainly how we play it here. Um, In and the so they're doing short term. Yeah. They're doing what I guess is right for their business. Consequences to the people be damned. And that's Kim's whole thing here.
1: Mm hmm. It is. I also think that the timing of some of this bank stuff is really interesting in these coming seasons because this is 2004. Mm-hmm. It seems like they might be getting into subprime mortgages a little bit. Hmm. And we know we know the dark path of that, that went.
0: Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, in 2008, when Breaking Bad starts, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Huh. I wonder if they're I wonder if they're going with that angle. They might.
1: I wondered that, too. And the fact that Kim in this in this particular scene is, we know why she's doing it, but at the end of the day, she is pushing for them to kind of have a like an investment in this little piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. But short term, like you said, it, it'll take longer to build everything, so they'll lose money. But hey, in the long term, you have this investment in land. It's yeah. like, oh, Kim, oh, Kim, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that land won't actually be worth all that much
0: yeah they didn't make this explicit I wonder if they already owned that second lot that Kim was suggesting or if they would have to go buy it
1: It's. I wasn't sure it seemed like they would have to buy it and eat the okay. cost of the lot that they already bought well
0: then yeah I, I doubly see why they didn't go for it now
1: no it totally makes sense but you can tell it fucking it really it makes her mad Oh yeah, she does not appreciate it
0: alright then Mike pulls up to his daughter's house for his day with Kaylee he's so happy <laughs>
1: I don't know why he thought this would go (laughs) okay. Sorry.
0: No, he tries to apologize uh, for yelling at Kaylee, but his daughter doesn't want him to stay with her tonight because uh, she's, I I don't know, Um, in case he can't control himself, if Kaylee brings up Maddie Mm -hmm. uh, and Mike is pissed off. But, man, she's totally right.
1: She is totally right. I can't even imagine the amount of soothing she had to do days after Mm -hmm. that blow up. And, and, and to ask Kevin to do that again.
0: Yeah, how volatile Mike is and yeah. and how likely that is to happen again.
1: And she could he's not he's not being very subtle about it. He it's the first time she says no in a nicer way, mm-hmm. he's immediately mad about it and trying to insist that he's okay very angrily. Yeah which is always, it's a very good way to convince somebody that you're okay, is to say that you're okay. I'm fine. Everything's great.
0: <laughs> you are done with this conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so this is really shedding a new light on Mike this season. It is. You know, I, I understood that he was broken up about his son
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, from earlier Better Call Saul, and Better Call Saul has totally changed my feelings on Mike as a, a character since Breaking Bad. Because in Breaking Bad, I thought Mike was a rock and he was completely solid and yeah. there was not like, emotionally, he was fine uh, in Breaking Bad, I think. I don't remember much of a pathos to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was sort of just the guy who got shit done and he was extremely efficient and good at what he did.
1: Yeah, he was one of my favorite characters.
0: And he was that early on in this too. Um, mm-hmm. But as we've gotten to know Mike more, it's a more tragic story. It's, it's one of a man who is stuck in a cycle. Yeah. That he can't get out of, um, and he he could be able to get out of it if he could just open up a little bit and and accept some help, much mm-hmm. like you know a Jimmy.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, he's he's quickly becoming one of the most tragic characters in this story.
1: There's also things that he I don't I don't think he could just talk about to a therapist. How do you tell a therapist that you are torn up currently because you murdered a bunch of guys one time and then. You also murdered a guy recently, and it's got you all twisted so, up.
0: Okay, the the psychologist, the therapists in mm-hmm. the crowd are going to have to write in <laughs> and tell me if I'm wrong here, but this is my understanding of the therapist-patient relationship. Unless you are talking about actively committing a crime
1: mm-hmm. or
0: planning to commit a crime, they will not say anything. This is like the Tony Soprano rule <laughs> or something, like... Yeah, I could tell you how many people I killed, but
1: I think also though, if they believe that you are a danger to yourself or others, Mm -hmm. they can contact the authorities. So I I don't think it would be a good it would be a very good idea for him to get help, but also it would be a very bad idea. They need
0: criminal therapists. They have criminal lawyers? Get some fucking criminal therapists. Who is the Saul
1: Goodman for, for the brain, for the brain problems?
0: Uh Saul I think it could have been Gretchen. Healthman.
1: Gretchen. It's all <laughs> Sorry.
0: Saul <laughs> Healthman. Hell it's all healthy, man.
1: <laughs> it yes, I understand. It doesn't make any sense. What about Gretchen?
0: She could have been the therapist for the criminals.
1: Yeah, I could see that. She tried, to, so she tried to do a little bit with Walt. She did. But
0: yeah. Walt Walt was just gone. as bad as any of these people, if not worse.
1: Oh yeah, I have a whole we can, we can compare Jimmy and Walt later on.
0: And we will in the mm-hmm. feedback section as well. Ooh, but cool. maybe you got some interesting insights. Uh, Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. All right, Kim <laughs> goes to Saul's court appearance where he defends a robber by pulling a switcheroo with his defendant. So good. The judge adjourns the court and calls Saul into her chambers. Kim waits for him, and when he returns, he says he got a mistrial out of it, and Kim asks for help with the two-carry situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that move. I... I don't know how legal it is. I don't know if this would be just something beyond the pale in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. But damn, it works for television.
1: It's classic.
0: I was so... I I was practically cheering. Yeah. During the scene.
1: I think they have been spacing out the the Saul Goodman schemes pretty perfectly in this. Mm -hmm. I think you said it before that if they did it too much, it might make the show feel less serious. Yeah. Less dramatic, but... When you do get these instances, it's just, it's so satisfying.
0: It's amazing how often they can do it and I don't get bored of it. Yeah. Because they did it twice in this episode. I mean, that bowling ball thing. That's fair. Is is all a Saul goodman scheme. It's not a very sophisticated one.
1: Three times, technically.
0: That's uh, four times, yeah. With a this man. Courtroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I just love watching these scenes. Anytime yeah. Saul can pull one over on somebody, I'm happy. Except when it's Kim.
1: Except when it's I don't Kim. I like that. No, I don't like that either. I, I don't know gross. that he's done it
0: yet, but man, he would
1: He's been lightly doing some yucky relationship stuff, but Yeah,
0: he's been hiding stuff.
1: Yeah, and also just like with the shower thing. Oh yes. That previous yeah. episode and the beer bottle thing. He's testing mm-hmm. limitations every once in a while, for sure.
0: Do you have any idea what this fool is talking about with the makeup like bats and cats and whatever those guys are. What? Yeah, he mentioned something. Uh, This guy on the stand says, yeah, he was the only one not dressed up like a bat or a cat or...
1: Oh, yeah, I think there was some kind of convention or something happening. It was like a... I think it was like a leather daddy convention. (laughs) I think they even said that as they were introducing the scene. Did they? (laughs) Or (laughs) I I have wildly... I have made some wild assumptions both
0: Mm. of these things
1: are equally likely
0: alright moving on
1: no we can't (laughs) move on we need to talk about this for 30 more minutes
0: Gus's store manager Lyle closes up shop for the evening and finds Gus inspecting the fryer he finds its state unacceptable
1: unacceptable
0: and he's waiting for a phone call Uh, and Lyle starts cleaning up I I don't know where at some point we're going to be intercutting Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll mention it when we sort of get there. But for now, let's move on to Hank and Gomi um, yep. talking about culverts while staking out one of the dead drops. And they're going to take photos of whoever makes the pickup and then I think follow them um, to wherever they plan on taking the money. I think it, that's what Hank says, means when he says, like, we were supposed to go upstream here. Yeah. Is we were going to tail these guys mm-hmm. and follow the money to wherever it goes.
1: Exactly. The next step up. Yeah. The next tier. Yeah.
0: Uh, I liked the Majestic Culvert talk. I thought Col- it was a little bit...
1: Culvert. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Verneer <Ziegler. laughs> Culvert. Uh,
0: I thought it was better than the expired food talk.
1: It was. It was still a little weird, but it was a better. A I,
0: f- I actually looked it up and I found out that uh, culvert is not a Dutch word for crotrot.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, imagine my surprise.
0: <laughs> In fact, its origin is unknown. Oh, According to all the dictionaries I could find,
1: that doesn't seem right.
0: No, it doesn't. But it's actually interesting that they would choose that word. I bet they did that because the origin was unknown, and so they're just guessing at it. Yeah, much like the entirety of humanity is guessing at it.
1: It's a good burger. I can tell you that. Really good crinkle cut <laughs> fries. I like culverts.
0: I wonder if that's a regional thing. Nobody's gonna <laughs> oh, get that. Oh, it
1: might be butter burgers. I have no idea. Butter burgers with cheddar. It's the way to go. It's the only <laughs> way to go.
0: We can right. move on now. Uh, speaking of going, let's go to Gus inspecting the fryer again after Lyle cleans it. It's not right, of course, so Lyle decides to take another crack at it while Gus waits for his phone call.
1: Oh, we, we watch the flop sweat build.
0: Oh, as yeah. As these I scenes
1: mean, cut between each other. He's
0: getting super sweaty. Yeah, we're intercutting here between this
1: and... Yeah, I think this is when the it ...the DEA
0: stuff. Uh, yeah, Gus is the worst when he's anxious. I don't know that we've ever really seen him this anxious before.
1: I don't know that we've seen him take his anxiety out on that someone too. before especially someone who isn't involved in his organization at all mm-hmm. it was it was weird and interesting and very telling
0: yeah absolutely uh is really getting under his skin
1: mm-hmm. that's what lalo do you get under your sheet you get under your skin you get under your nails carne asada nails, <laughs> nails. i don't know what Hey, what are you talking about? I know what I was talking about.
0: Leather daddies. All right, moving on. We're intercutting the scrubbing of the fryer uh, with this guy making the pickup from the dead drop and they get pictures of him and the guy seems like he might have spotted the DEA, but they're not sure until he speeds away from the scene. Hank goes after him as Lyle continues to scrub the fryer. Hank stops the car, but the guy flees on foot and they track him to a culvert and follow him inside. And the guy meets up with Victor who drives him off in a car.
1: I like the juxtaposition between the... Fryers that are being scrubbed to within an inch of their metal lives, Mm -hmm. I guess, is how that saying would go. And the dirty, dirty, dirty culvert. That was nice.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: And gross. Just,
0: yeah, real bad water. Yeah. What are they getting at with this juxtaposition? Because I, I, this, typically I understand it. And if this was Gus scrubbing it with the fryer, I would understand it. But it's Lyle scrubbing it with the fryer. Mm -hmm. Is he a Gus proxy here? Is he like supposed to show us the anxiety? Because. They don't want to show that in the character Gus. They don't want him to quite break his veneer of stoicism.
1: Hmm, that's a good point. I'm also wondering if we're seeing a bunch of people trying to clean up for Gus. That's what this hmm. this money this money picker upper, picker mm-hmm. Yep, that's what he's called. This money guy is this money guy Victor Lyle, they're all just cleaning up for Gus and his mistakes. Yeah. Not even really his mistakes. His, kind of his mistakes. His legal mistakes. I mean,
0: yeah, Gus, hmm. I don't know that Gus has made mistakes. I think the people who work for Gus have made mistakes. This whole thing is on the back of Werner Ziegler (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and Mike, you know. And so I guess in as much as he hired Mike um, to do a job that he thought he could do, Gus made a mistake. But...
1: I think Gus it's needs really to give full psychological exams to everyone he hires. Maybe that would eliminate me. some stuff.
0: Cartel therapist.
1: Cartel therapist. It. It's in the
0: cards. Season six. We need that cartel therapist. Come on, Gould. Uh, so we find out that Hank and Gomi managed to get the money and a few uh, shit birds, as they call them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Hank is displeased with the results, but he tells his crew they did a great job anyway and they're going out to celebrate.
1: Uh, if I had to choose one of these people to work for, I think I would go for Hank. Because he's a lot nicer about failure than, than Gus.
0: Than Gus? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Very different managerial styles here.
0: The worst Hank is going to do is fire you. Gus might actually set you on fire.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so then Gus gets a call that everything went as planned, and he snaps his phone in half and sends Lyle home, which is exactly what Saul would want him to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Snap that phone in half. Go buy another. <laughs>
1: was playing. Saul
0: on speed dial.
1: Yep, number one. Mm-hmm. Number one, baby.
0: And then Saul lets himself uh, onto Mr. Acker's property and he uses a picture. Uh, let's call it a visual aid to persuade Acker to hire him as his defense, I guess. And he calls Kim to deliver the good news.
1: I enjoy how much Kim struggled to open this gate from the other side because she is not a criminal. And how easily... Jimmy slash Saul just with a pencil just Mm -hmm. exactly knew what to do because he is a criminal.
0: Yeah, you were telling me about this the other day, and I didn't realize that Kim like struggled with it with a stick for like She had this enormous
1: stick and she was just fumbling with it, and it was so loud and it was so awkward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're really bearing the lead here.
1: I know. I I want to yell about this on a mountaintop (laughs) to the heavens. Oh my God. This. (laughs) This line delivery, this man delivering the line, mm-hmm. the whole fucking situation—it is so good. Yeah, it, it's so stupid. I'm like a twelve-year-old, but it was my, f- it was my favorite scene in this whole episode. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: mine too. <laughs> it was so Easily, good. like the, the just, the, just the notion of Saul making this old man look at a picture of a man fucking a horse <laughs> is funny on the the face of it, but then you. You look at Jimmy and at Saul and what he's doing while all this is going down, and while he's waiting for this man to process this image, he's got this look of anticipation on his face, like his window. (laughs) I don't. He's so thrilled to be presenting this image to this man.
1: (laughs) He's a pervert.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he is, but it was a brilliant (laughs) performance by Bob Odenkirk. There's just something this pensive, like anxious feeling. There's this pause, this moment where the man's just processing it, and then the way he delivers that line, it's man,
2: a
1: fucking, fu- a, fucking horse. a horse. <laughs> like the bewilderment, the confusion, the the mild horror. I think we uh-huh. could say because yep. I personally, I and I swear to God, if you motherfuckers send me anything, I'm going to be so angry. But I have not personally ever seen. A glossy JPEG. (laughs) A man fucking horse.
2: (laughs) Well,
0: Barry Corbin has now. Barry Corbin
1: has. I like how whenever uh, Jimmy is showing him the photo, like Mm -hmm. slipping it through the crack of the door, he lifts it above the camera real fast as though it actually were something. It's funny.
0: Oh, yeah. They they do a lot of, uh, let's say, artful camera placement and glare to keep you from actually seeing this image because they do a couple of reverse shots over Barry Corbin's shoulder uh-huh. as he's looking at it. Exactly. And you can see the image. You can see that there's a horse on it, but you can't see the back end of the horse.
1: Oh, that's the that's the business end. That's, <laughs> yes. That is the end in question, <laughs> I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was so fantastic. It was uh, very good. I, I didn't notice this before, but Mesa Verde is kind of being... Uh, shitty about this whole situation there if you notice there is a billboard outside of his house yeah. that advertises the new call center and gives a phone number for people to call to get jobs there mm-hmm. they haven't even started building it yet it's like that's a big fuck you
1: yeah who is that billboard for nobody's this is the middle of nowhere right. nobody's driving past that no. is literally just a fuck you to this stubborn mm-hmm. stubborn old man yeah the stubborn scarred old man <laughs>
0: So what do you think is the deal here? Is Jimmy his, I mean, Jimmy's probably his lawyer now, Mm -hmm. but what good does that do? Because I was under the impression that he had already gone to the courts and they had turned his case down Or, or they had ruled against him rather.
1: Yeah. I don't know if maybe the period of appeal is still open. If, if there is. Okay. Oh, I'm, Listen to me talking like I know a thing about anything. I yeah. don't know if there is a period of time for the appeal. I imagine so. That just Doug seems L. right L. Is to Doug giving you a
0: standing ovation right now. Oh, yes, the period of Doug.
1: appeal. Or he's that's, screaming that's at Doug me. L. Yeah, she
2: could be.
1: <laughs> That's your dog impression.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Schweikert absolutely knows Jimmy. He knows that Jimmy and Kim have been dating. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their endgame here is. Were they hoping that maybe they could settle out of court? Because... If you just see Saul Goodman on a piece of paper, you may not immediately make the association. Or alternate crackpot theory. Maybe they are hoping to play up some kind of relationship demise thing in court that ends up actually becoming a relationship demise thing. Do you know? Hmm, How would that help them? I don't know.
0: Like if their relationship blew up spectacularly in the courtroom. Mistrial. I don't uh, Jimmy seems to love mistrials, which we'll talk about. Doug does have some good advice there. Or good comments rather.
1: Yeah. No, I'm thinking just that would be their angle coming into it. That's why Saul is representing this person, mm-hmm. even though Kim is representing Mesa Verde.
0: Okay, let's assume that they do go uh, court of appeals here and yeah. they get they get this case reheard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could set up an interesting showdown, but I don't know if there's going to be a relationship blow-up, but a showdown between Jimmy and Kim. I can't imagine that's what's going through their head, which means... Because like, why would they want to set that scenario up?
1: Yeah, I don't... No, I, whenever I say that, I mean more the people writing the show.
0: Yeah, it could be a cruel twist of fate that like their plan backfires yeah, in their the faces, and now they're fighting each other in court. Exactly. And that could put a strain on their relationship, certainly.
1: It could. But... I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what their endgame game here is. I'm mm-hmm. desperately curious. So yeah. good job writers of Better Call Saul.
0: Oh, they're great at that. Me. All right, let's talk about the other great scene in this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's later that night, Jimmy. Oh, oh, I wanted to say I think this here is the moment between these two scenes where he goes shopping for those bowling balls. Yeah. I don't think he has them already.
2: Oh uh, I yeah, did, I didn't take a look at his clothes, too.
0: but I think he's probably wearing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so later that night, Jimmy takes the bowling balls to Howard's house and he throws them over his fence, nailing the car. Uh, Howard comes outside, looks at the damage, completely perplexed. I I wish that I was a writer on this show because I don't know how I could have resisted just, just having him have one bowling ball and throwing that bowling ball over the fence and it just going, falling harmlessly through the sunroof
1: this whole time <laughs> right? I have been wanting to say that in this biz, we call that the Albuquerque sunroof.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Bring it Bring it all full circle.
1: It would have been too perfect is the problem. Oh, it would man. have been too hokey. Although, I don't know. Can you
0: imagine Howard waking up the <laughs> next day, getting into his car and there's a bowling ball in his I passenger seat? I think it would be seat. too
1: obvious who did it at that point. I think he probably knows about the... I think he probably knows. Oh, but how could someone that? what got him in trouble in, in the first place. Yeah, he's Jimmy. Yeah. He's scrappy.
0: I don't know what Howard's thinking now when he comes out on this balcony and he sees his car destroyed by bowling balls.
1: What the fuck? Probably.
0: I mean, he certainly can't. He can't. No one in their right mind would suspect Jimmy of this. He's just offered him a job, right? He's Mm -hmm. just done him a favor. Howard thinks he's, he's extending this olive branch and he's done the right thing and Jimmy will see it for what it is. Right. When in fact that was the thing that set him off There's no way you could predict that
1: No not without knowing Jimmy Better and just the fact that he's making the offer Right it makes it very clear That he does not know Jimmy as well as we do at this point
0: For sure so yeah I I don't know this is an outstanding scene He oh god He really chucks those Bowling balls Wow over the fence
1: Are you are you proud of that one
0: Uh, Yes I am (laughs) I am very proud
1: I'm. I'm glad that somebody is.
0: Do you think there's a second stage to this? This isn't the most sophisticated operation Jimmy's ever undertaken, right?
1: No, but this is. A, this is definitely. This is a slip and Jimmy thing. This is the Chicago sunroof all over again, except oh boy, way more destructive. Can't wash a broken a broken glass off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's that, how I'm going to say that.
0: I. I wonder. You bring up an interesting, interesting point. This is the Chicago sunroof. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you know they didn't go through a sunroof, is there any chance? Because we know what happened with that. Chuck had to bail him out, right? Yeah. Is there any chance that Kim has to do the same here? And this is the thing that fractures the relationship. Because it did with Chuck and Jimmy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like Chuck came in to save the day. He expected Jimmy to fly right, and when he didn't, uh, that blew up the relationship once and for all.
1: That would be a really interesting echo.
0: I think so. Uh, Okay, let's move on to the final scene where Mike walks past the guys who menaced him last episode. He's looking for a fight and he gets one. Uh, He actually gets a knife wound to boot and then he wakes up and he passes out. He wakes up in what I'm going to call a small village or maybe a farm in the middle of nowhere.
1: Based on the color of the lighting and what I know about the visual language of Breaking Bad, I'm going to say this is more than likely Mexico, because okay. it is kind of that orangey, yellowy light that they always use hmm. for there.
0: All right. I mean, that that might make sense. I don't know. Like, we know there's that doctor in Mexico
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that Gus uses from time to time, right? Yeah. And if Gus found Mike somehow, I have no idea how he would.
1: I think at this point, we have to assume that he's had him trailed in some way.
0: You think so? In a way that Mike doesn't detect?
1: Mike's been a little fucked up lately. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, that's true. He's not super. It's a bit out of his mind. Yeah, I'd say
0: that's fair. Yeah, I I don't know where he is. Um, Mexico, I think, is a good guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't really look like New Mexico all that much anymore. Um, There's maybe a little, a few too many plants around just in the countryside
1: and the architecture is not like a blend of mexican and american Mm -hmm. like a lot of stuff in new mexico is it's straight up mexican yeah it's an adobo so
0: i don't know i have no idea what they're doing with mike here no
1: goats in america
0: no goats (laughs) no goats in america Uh
1: just you just don't see those
0: that's why goat meat is such an expensive delicacy
1: Mm -hmm. cheese too that's why it's worth like 1.5 times Cow cheese. Sorry, I've been playing Stardew Valley like way too much. <laughs> you get that goat cheese. You put it in a cask in your basement, mm-hmm. and you wait like two weeks, and boom, you got Mike. You got Mike. <laughs> Mike is aged goat cheese, is what we're saying. That's our official. I mean, stance. take a look
0: at him. I'm sorry. Calling
1: me I'm mean.
0: Sorry, Jonathan Banks. You're 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 a very old man. I understand. I will look as bad. And as wrinkled and as harried as you do one day.
1: Me too. If I'm lucky. If you're lucky.
0: All right. If you want to send feedback into the Better Cast Saul podcast, you could do that by writing Better Cast Saul at baldmove.com. Do it. Uh, get your hot takes in because we don't have any of our own. <laughs> uh, speaking of hot takes, Mr. Reginald has an email about last week's episode.
1: Lay it on me. Fresh off the
0: presses a week ago. Uh, He says, episode three of Better Call Saul highlights the huge gulf between happiness and satisfaction. Being successful in our endeavors can bring a certain amount of joy, but real satisfaction that brings deep contentment only comes from being true to the best version of ourself. Take Kim, for example. Even though she doesn't always win in court for her pro bono clients, she is truly satisfied fighting for them to the best of her ability. Kim is hyped to fight for all her downtrodden clients because she's a good person and good people stick up for those who are in desperate need of help. Contrast that with how angry she is at herself in the second episode when she went along with Saul's scheme to deceive her client. She's also extremely frustrated this episode when she played hardball in her negotiations with Mr. Acker. And in both instances, she won by achieving her goals, but wasn't satisfied because she went against her true nature. The same goes for Nacho, Saul, and Mike. All of them are good at what they do, are valued for their skills, and have been handsomely compensated for the work, but they are all completely miserable. They aren't being true to the best version of themselves. The most satisfied characters on the show? That would be Mr. Acker and Nacho's dad, (laughs) Mr. Varga. Both of them are fighting all alone against forces infinitely more powerful than themselves. These men may be stubborn, but they're not naive. Uh, Some would even say that Mr. Acker is cynical. They realize that the odds are stacked against them and that eventually their opponents will probably get what they want. Are these men happy about the fight they're in and the possibility of losing their home or their life? Of course not. But they're both proud of what they're fighting for. And unlike most of the characters on this show, they can both hold their head up high, being satisfied and knowing that they are fighting the good fight.
1: I like Manuel. I would go with that.
0: Any thoughts? You like who?
1: Manuel. Varga. Not just Dad. His name is Manuel. That's his name? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I just know it was Nacho's dad.
1: <laughs> Mr. Varga. Senor Varga. Mm-hmm.
0: Can we throw Howard in the mix now?
1: I cannot believe how well the writers of the show have managed to not completely 180, but like a 160 for me on Howard's character because oh, yeah. I could not stand him earlier in the show. Yeah. That the perfection really it rubbed me the wrong way too. Mm-hmm. But seeing him genuinely trying to be better. Mm-hmm something about that is so it's so wholesome and good,
0: yeah, just making up for those past mistakes I think there's there's a certain amount of uh admirability to that that mm-hmm. you you know it has certainly changed my mind on Howard too. I thought Howard was a uh
1: stuck dick shit. hole in a suit yeah
0: uh at the beginning of this series, and now I've got a completely different opinion of him and, and it helped that Chuck was such an asshole, yeah, and that we understand now that chuck was kind of running the show over there Mm -hmm. and howard didn't have much say in what went on
1: howard was kind of just rolling over to him yeah
0: all right let's go to zach who says i thought the impact of the saul and hank showdown on season one of breaking bad was very interesting for one we get to see the moment that changes the trajectory of everyone's lives but it also changes our perception of what was happening in those early breaking bad episodes this is assuming the rela- the arrangement between Hank and Crazy 8 stays the same and he never becomes a legitimate informant for the DEA. Considering Crazy 8 eventually rises high enough in the Salamanca family to hire his own supplier, I'm going to assume this whole situation works out pretty good for him from a Salamanca perspective. If Crazy 8 isn't feeding Hank info, there's a very strong possibility that Hank never busts Jesse's cook in the first episode, or at the very least, he doesn't do it on the, way- on the day that Walt just happens to be on the ride-along. Uh, do Walt and Jesse even reunite Without this Crazy Eight deal Also I'm no longer thinking Hank was busting Jesse's cook because he was being Fed good info now it seems Like Jesse and his cooking partner were a Salamanca sacrifice to the DEA I think it yeah it does Kind of recontextualize that
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, And then he goes on also The break Bad audience is under the impression that Walt Unknowingly saved his own ass by killing Crazy Eight in the basement is that still the case? Does Crazy A go running to Hank if Walt lets him free, or does he take this info about a new meth cook back to the Salamancas instead? Which, frankly, I I don't know that he doesn't need to be saved from that as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> Hector doesn't take kindly to uh, people horning in on his territory. Uh, he, he says, I'm going to assume the latter, that, that Crazy A goes back to the Salamancas with this, not to the DEA and maybe Walt and Jesse didn't survive long enough after that to convince Tuco to work with him or maybe Walt gets picked up and moved to Mexico before Hank can track down Jesse's car and kill Tuco yeah I mean this this has a lot of repercussions like if if Walt doesn't kill Crazy Eight in Breaking Bad two things happen and I think you, you listed them appropriately like he either goes to the DEA with his well I guess three things could happen he could go home and never mention it <laughs> doubt that's going to happen seems unlikely yeah um or he could go to the DEA, or he could go to Hector.
1: I think he would go to Hector, because he had to. Mm-hmm. And then if he thought that there's even an inkling that the DEA would be able to find this out on their own and discover that they that he didn't tell them, mm-hmm. he would tell them to. It's all about consequences, right? Yeah. It's whoever is gonna hurt him the fastest is who <laughs> sure. we will talk to first.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it has a ripple effect through the whole series. Like, if you know, if Hector gets this information, and then Gus goes on to hire Walt and then Walt knows that that was the same cook um, mm-hmm. who uh, Walt, if if Walt is a known cook um, it's it's very different with the Salamancas than if you know he's not known to them um, and so you know Hector might have another opportunity to blow up his spot uh, tell the DEA about Gus's cook destroy the super lab essentially like mm-hmm. there might be other opportunities along the way but yeah none of that none of that came to pass but it's interesting to think about
1: I will agree that Crazy Eight was in a pretty good place in the beginning of Breaking Bad he had a nice he had a nice house mm-hmm. he had a cool dog <laughs> you call
0: that a cool dog?
1: yeah a dog, a there's cool dog. no
0: chill in that dog whatsoever
1: oh there was chill in that dog
0: no that's a dog that is trained to bite your nuts
1: I don't have nuts I'm safe <laughs>
0: fair <laughs> Alright, moving on Got you, (laughs) Josh uh, He says, arguably Jimmy turning down Howard's offer in Better Call Saul is parallel to Walt turning down Gretchen and Elliot's offer in Breaking Bad Mm -hmm. Walt's offer came much earlier in Breaking Bad but it came only five episodes into Walt starting his career as a criminal Howard's offer to Jimmy came five episodes into taking uh, on the persona officially of Saul Goodman Also, we know that Gretchen and Elliot factored heavily into Walt's plan to settle all family business at the end of Breaking Bad And we know that Jimmy slash Saul has plans to settle business as he flees for New Mexico, or sorry, flees New Mexico for Nebraska. He tells Francesca to expect a November 12th phone call. Perhaps that is Saul using Howard in the similar way that Walt used Gretchen and Elliot. Yeah, the the parallels here are pretty juicy. Mm -hmm. Um, Being extended this lifeline um, when you're on the road to hell.
1: (laughs) And being such a stubborn asshole that you can't even consider it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, letting letting your own pride get in the mm-hmm. way. Um, that was definitely Walt's problem. Oh yeah. I think he has a lot more problem with pride than Jimmy does. Jimmy's just stubborn. Um,
1: He's got a lot of pride issues too, though. He he has to go his own way, no matter how mm-hmm. dumb and bad and ill-advised it is.
0: Yeah, um, I I definitely view view him as less. Prideful than Walt. Well, it's hard not to. Walt's yeah. one of the most prideful people in television. Oh,
1: he's a monster. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, but you're right. The parallels are there, and I, I do find them interesting, and I guarantee the writers knew what they were doing
1: when they did that. Oh, yeah. It's not a coincidence.
0: Uh, Kaholo writes in and says There are a couple things I wanted to bring up that have to do with Kim the first thing comes from the previous episode did either of you get the feeling that as Kim was talking to or yelling at the old man in Tucumcari that she was in some weird way talking to Jimmy or at least saying the things she wishes she could say to Jimmy face to face but instead taking it on the old man and he's talking just about like do you think the rules don't apply to yeah, you yeah you're above of the things. law
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: yeah uh, she, there's a lot of repressed resentment and anger in that relationship which is very unhealthy
1: it is and that blow up was a release of a little bit of that at least. Mm-hmm. It's probably why she could look at him when she got home.
0: And then thing two comes from this week's episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he says, Kim's, or he or she, I don't know what Kaholo is. Kim's character is so complex and her relationship with Jimmy is peculiar. On one hand, she judges him negatively and acts like the moral police but then on the other hand comes running to him with the scheme that she wants to run that in the end has some benefit for her. That courtroom scene when she asked Jimmy for his help with her uh, client had me shaking my head at the TV.
1: Me too.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, this is a case of, uh, you know, wanting to have your cake and eat it too. Kim Mm -hmm. does not want Jimmy getting into this life. And yet she wants to use the skills he's developed in that life for her own benefit.
1: She sees the usefulness of the way he gets around things Mm -hmm. shall we say but she also hates it she doesn't like it because it is very much a using the rules to your own benefit Mm -hmm. not following the rules the same way that everybody else does kind of thing
0: and and hurting people in the process and i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that she's so upset about with mesa verde is like they're doing the same thing you know they're they're following the rules so strictly it's almost like an inverse of jimmy they're they're going so <laughs> by the rule of mm-hmm. law that they're hurting people with it yeah and and that's the only thing they consider whereas jimmy only considers himself mm-hmm. and is willing to you know skirt whatever rule society has set up in order to get his way hurting people in the process yeah it's I don't know Kim Kim is also attracted To that life I, You can see In those moments Where she's scamming How fun How much fun she's having
1: It's absolutely Yeah and also Yeah How much it turns her on To do it
0: I mean yeah Every time they They do a scam I think they go bang Or mm-hmm, something
1: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Or at least get naked just
1: getting naked in bed Ugh. together. Why are you? It's beautiful. It's the act of love. What's wrong with you?
0: No, I just I'm just everybody, thinking back to scene scene one with.
1: Everybody gets naked, Jim. <laughs> everybody gets naked at some point unless you're never I don't want to see
0: Bob Odenkirk naked. I'm sorry. I just don't want to see
1: it. Just avert thine eyes, then, prude.
0: All right, well, I'm pulling my eyes at Doug L's email. <laughs> Uh, he wrote in with some legal analysis of this episode says, I thought it might be worth commenting on this week's mistrial. Since Saul considers this to be a victory, a mistrial in its simplest terms is a do over. It can occur for any number of reasons, but essentially a judge will declare a mistrial when something happens during the trial, which deprives the parties of the fairness to which they are entitled. Examples could be something like too many jurors becoming unavailable. One side bringing up highly prejudicial evidence that was supposed to be off limits a natural disaster, really anything that would require starting over from scratch to ensure the results of the trial are not tainted. Saul's stunt is unorthodox, but not necessarily improper, nor is impeaching a witness by attacking the reliability of his observations. Trials are meant to be orderly proceedings, which, while occasionally dramatic, are not well served by these kinds of (laughs) over-the-top antics. Mm -hmm. Judges will not look kindly upon an attorney who tries to engineer a moment like this. Yeah. I can see that, and, and I don't think Jimmy cares, or Saul cares.
1: No, of course he doesn't.
0: Yeah. He we saw the judge
1: win. yelling at him, Mr. Goodman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so the big question is, uh, on Doug L's mind, is Saul right to be happy about the mistrial? Yes and no. The consequence of a mistrial is having to try the case all over again. Often faced with the prospect of having to go through it a second time, the parties will be more receptive to a settlement, or in this instance, a plea. That is likely what Saul is counting on. Then again, while Saul landed a big punch on the prosecution's case, this cuts both ways. The prosecutor, while embarrassed, gets a second chance to try the case, where Saul likely cannot pull the same stunt again. Mm -hmm. Still, the likely result will be a favorable plea, which suits Saul perfectly. Interesting. So his analysis is he's just trying to get this case to, to be harder to prosecute, essentially. Yeah. Um, to be more annoying to, to prosecute be... <laughs> and to get everybody involved
1: You mean to tell me fed up with it that Saul is trying to be annoying.
0: Extremely as annoying as possible.
1: To annoy people in a courtroom, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. It seems out of character.
0: So I don't know. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Uh you'd mm-hmm. like to think that in a just world things like this wouldn't work <laughs> because it is a little silly. Um, it's
1: goofy as hell. Yeah. I
0: thought he also had a point. Like if you mm-hmm. If you can't look at someone and immediately identify that that person robbed you, uh, it's hard to take your case seriously. And especially when you're the only eyewitness. Mm -hmm. I thought this country had some sort of standards when it came to uh, what evidence is. (laughs) And I didn't think a single eyewitness claiming that a thing happened was was enough of a piece of evidence to convict someone in the I, first place. I think
1: it depends upon the severity of the offense. Mm-hmm. For something like this, I think it probably passes, but...
0: I don't think it does. As I think far in this country, I, you're presumed innocent until you're proven guilty.
1: <laughs> That's the ideal, right? But also, yes. it's just a bunch of people in a courtroom making decisions subjectively. So, yeah, you know, eyewitness testimony is supposed to be pretty unreliable in right. general. Right,
0: right. And so when you don't even have multiple people backing up the story i find it hard to believe that they could convict this guy seems pretty
1: shitty but it's also just a grab and run so yeah who actually cares
0: and that's it uh thank you for everybody who to everybody who wrote in uh for Mm -hmm. their emails we will be back in exactly one week set your watches for episode five um i'm really looking forward to seeing howard's response to the New Mexico sunroof.
1: Yeah, his very his very new age, peaceful uh, response. Uh-huh. He's, he's,
0: he's gonna have to meditate for like a day, a full a solid full day. A full day,
1: oh my God, that sounds so boring. Oh.
0: Not to Howard, Howard loves it. He does it in front of a mirror.
1: Oh, of course he does. <laughs> clothes or no clothes?
0: Uh, yeah, Whatever, however the mood strikes him. Someday. This is a no clothes situation though, for sure.
1: Do... You think?
0: Yep. Bring it.
1: <laughs> it's too stupid. I can't say it. Do you think his wiener has a no, knitted tie?
0: Nope. And that's <laughs> it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back. Wiener. We will be back at exactly one Ziegler. And until then, I'm Jim.
1: I am, unfortunately, Alexis. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Bye.